Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we are hanging out with Itai Sedan. And Itai uh, is the current CEO of Duda, a Silicon Valley-based web design and development platform that specializes in enabling agencies to build better performing websites and progressive web apps with a superior design, collaboration, and communication experience. Itai started this company in 2008 from his garage in Mountain View, California. Welcome to the program, Itai. Thank you for having me. Good, uh, good to be on the show, Brent. Yeah, so uh, it, you know, I just introduced you. You said you started this company like literally in, in your garage. So the most obvious question is that uh, you know, so you actually had your computer in the garage, and that's where you created this, or you just meant kind of you created this from your house? Yeah, created uh, from. I actually, literally, at a certain point, my wife did push me into the garage. And luckily, I didn't have to be there too long because it was getting a little bit cold in the winter. Uh, so about three months. So started in uh, kind of I was still moonlighting initially when I started working on it. And it was correct that I started working on it somewhere in 2008 uh, together with my co-founder, Amir. And we were still back at that uh, back in the day working for SAP. So it was mainly in, at least for a year, year and a half kind of... Uh, you know, weekend night type of project where we did this in parallel uh, to being employed. And basically, be, uh, only when I left SAP in early 2010 did uh, my and kind of, you know, commit to going full time on Duda. That's, that's uh, essentially when my wife pushed me into the garage. Uh, was about three months there. Uh, luckily, closed investment from seed investors, uh, Oren Zev, uh, and was able to get a, a, you know, a real office and hire people because it, it would have been a little bit strange to, you know, bring people to work inside of your garage. Yeah. Not, not unheard of, but <laughs> definitely, uh, not ideal, right? At least, at least here in Colorado where half the year it is, it is literally freezing outside. So, uh, not a great place to run a business from, but, uh, congrats on making the transition out of the garage, uh, and also getting a seed round. And, uh, I know Duda supports a lot of agencies today and their client bases. You guys have been very successful, but, uh, and, and maybe just paint us a picture. What, what is Duda today? What, what do you guys uh, look like in terms of like team size and kind of core market and focus? So we are a web design platform for uh, web professionals, web designers, uh, digital agencies, and, uh, and SaaS platforms. And we have today over, uh, we're getting close to about 7,000 agencies around the world uh, using the platform to build websites for their clients. The team size, we're, we just passed 100 uh, employees. Our headquarters in Palo Alto, where we're about, I'd say... 30 people. We have another uh, R&D, big R&D and product team in Tel Aviv, Israel, where we have about 60 people. 
and then another about 15 or so in uh, Colorado, pretty close to you, Brent. And we just recently uh, hired a couple of folks in Brazil as uh, LATAM is starting to be a big focus as well. Cool. And so then you guys, so, so CMS kind of platform, helping, helping web, web pros build their websites. Uh, specifically, you focus on really enabling the web pros, the agency owners to build those sites for their clients. Uh, what was, you know, there's a lot of CMSs out there. There's a lot of platforms uh, to build websites, you know, through, through, you know, both code tools and also through like web-based builders. Why was your focus to, uh, you know, aim for kind of the agency and the web pro market as, as your primary distribution channel? Yeah. Yeah. There's actually the, the interesting story that it wasn't initially our, our sole focus uh, when I launched the company uh, we were kind of, we, we had SMBs as customers, we had agencies as customers. So, so, so there was always an agency focus, but it was a little bit more, more spread. And then at, at a certain point, you know, we'll not go all the way back to the history, but at, at a certain point we felt like we were being kind of pulled in, in two directions, right? We were, you know, SMBs were asking for simplicity and, and the agencies were asking, give me more sophisticated tools. Uh, and it, it became really, really difficult to kind of think, you know, uh, think about these two groups and try to prioritize things. And at, at a certain point, I believe it was around 2014, 2015, we, we made a very strategic decision, a decision of focus that we we're going to be a web pro only company. Uh, it was not an easy decision at all. It, you know, basically, you know, think, think that about 50% of our user base, we were kind of telling them, sorry, we, we no longer cater to you. It, you know, we didn't fire them there. They could still be our customers. But the, the decision was from a sales, marketing, and R&D perspective going forward, we are going to only focus on half our user base. And you know, we saw a big opportunity there. There's about, you know, our stats show us that there's about 450,000 you know, web designers, web developers uh, around the world. Uh, so a lot of room to grow to, and we felt that the existing solutions in the market were really primarily built for the SMB, right? Not you know there's uh, there was there is still today a big competitor on kind of the web pro side, which is WordPress, and about sixty percent of our users were prior WordPress users before they came to do that. But even with WordPress, there we've heard, we heard a lot of you know a lot of pain points, a lot of challenges, challenges around security challenges around things breaking, um, and especially for the agency that wants to scale. Now, I'm not just talking about you know, a freelancer building one or two sites a year. I'm talking about if you're taking you know, your agency business really seriously and you're thinking of, okay, I'm, this, this is a business that's scaling now to 10 and tens of sites and maybe over 100 sites a year. It's what we're, there's a lot of challenges that you run into WordPress specifically, you know, when every time write automatic updates, the core plugins break, templates break. So I think Duda took kind of a different direction. I like to compare it to kind of iPhone model versus, you know, the Apple model versus the Android, right? WordPress is kind of more the Android open source uh, community. Duda took more of the proprietary approach where we control that entire experience and you get it all from one vendor the hosting the templates the widgets the you know the support that you can call and talk to it's a well oiled run machine and things don't break and that's kind of what agencies that scale 
that's what they need, right? They don't want to have their customers call them angry over the phone that things are breaking and be caught off guard because, you know, uh, WordPress made an upgrade to, to the core, right? They want to know that they're taken care of and, and that they can rely on the platform and that, uh, and that they can focus on their core business of building new sites and acquiring new customers versus spending a lot of time on maintenance and fixing things that are breaking along the way. Sure, sure. I'd like to go back uh, a little bit to your uh, decision to focus on this. Uh, I know that one of the things that we uh, advocate for agency owners and, and business owners in general is to to really focus on a market and and really go go you know, head first into that space and be kind of become, you know, own that market and, and really make sure that your, your business is um, as integrated into that market as possible. And a lot of people struggle with that decision uh, to focus. And so I want to just kind of get a little bit more of a detailed picture about how you, how you made that decision at the company level. Uh, was that something that you had, um, you know, consulted a lot with your team and your customer base uh, is that a decision that ultimately you had to make and commit one direction or or the other? And um, and yeah, so let's start there. And I've got some follow up questions about this decision. Yeah, no, it's a great question, Brent, uh, and and it's worth spending some time talking about it. I'd say f- first, like as as the entrepreneurs, the founders behind the company, if you're the head of the agency, I think it's it's your role to navigate the ship, right? It's your role to understand the headwinds, the challenges, where the market's going to, the trends. And, you know, we, we, you know, we felt those, you know, we felt those challenges. We felt, uh, you know, we felt that we were in a very busy market with a lot of site builders. And we, and the question of, you know, differentiation came up and what is unique about us and why are customers going to come to Duda versus to all the other SMB platforms out there. And, and I think out of those questions uh, arose the, the need to, you know, carve our own way and ask, you know, answer that, uh, that question of, you know, who is our customer? And, you know, as, as the adage said, uh, you know, the known adage is focus is, is, is not choosing what to do. It's actually choosing what not to do. We decided to focus on this pro segment. We, we, we understood that, first of all, we saw organically, you know, it wasn't just like a, you know, just a putting your thumb in the wind and, and choosing. There was a lot of, there, there was a lot of understanding of looking at our existing user base, seeing where growth is happening, which segments are growing faster, which were slower. Obviously, the web pros were growing faster for us uh, compared to the SMBs. Understanding the that you're going into a big enough market that's going to help, you know, that there's a lot of room for the company to accelerate and grow to grow into in the coming years. It's understanding the DNA of your company, right? As I mentioned, we have 60 engineers in Israel. As you can imagine, DNA is a very, is a very engineering type of DNA. I, 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 we felt that we understood the pains and the needs of, of the designers, developers more than we understood uh, the needs of, of SMBs. And add to that the fact that, you know, there were a lot of big companies with extremely deep pockets running Super Bowl ads, targeting SMBs, which would make it extremely difficult to compete. So 
adding all these things together led us to, you know, to this very informed decision of going after the WebPro uh, vertical. Just to add to that, we saw, we saw the results after making that decision. We saw that very, very quickly. And that the, how, how it was so much easier for product to start prioritizing features based on what they knew that agencies wanted. Uh, help marketing understand at you know, what level they needed uh, to message. Uh, right? We were no longer torn between telling one side of the user base, here's a responsive web designer, while needing to explain what responsive is to the other side. Right? Like, it runs on desktop, tablet, and mobile. Right? So it you know, makes marketing's job much easier and more focused. Helps the sales team uh, understand better who's their ideal customer and so on. So it just translated to all levels in the company. And that focus really helped us propel the business uh, forward. Hey, agency owners, are you currently building, managing, or optimizing WordPress websites and struggling to keep up or becoming the bottleneck? I'm excited to announce Unlimited WP, a white-label team that can help you do more with less. Whether you're building a WordPress website, doing updates, or maintenance and backups, you can assign all those tasks and more to Unlimited WP so you can free your time, make more money, and focus on what's most important. Get 25% off your first month by using the code DAS2020 at unlimitedwp.com to start today. Now let's get back to our interview. On that, and I'm always fascinated, uh, Itai, about these decisions that that the owner has to make, or the owners, or the partners, or the entrepreneur. When, when you made this decision, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to this moment of choosing to focus. And I, I realize that looking back now, you can say, okay, that was the best decision that we ever made. But I'm talking about the moment, maybe the the day or two, or the week after you made that decision. Was there doubt? when you left that conference room or you had made that announcement, was there doubt that maybe this was not the right decision? Yeah. You know, I think in the early days, it's, it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to tell initially. So the decision really, you need, uh, we, we made it kind of top down. You know, initially it was me and my co-founder really deciding that this is where it needs to go afterwards meeting kind of in a, in a, management offsite with the rest of the, you know, key management team and persuading them and having discussions about why it's needed and why we believe we need to go that way. And definitely there were, you know, maybe people threw some objections into the air, uh, but at the end I felt like, you know, once you get the kind of the management team behind it and persuaded, then, you know, you're ready to go and kind of face a company and, and tell them that we're going in this direction. So, so it was a kind of, it did cascade throughout the company kind of top, top down. You don't see the results right away, but I I felt, I remember, and there, you know, multiple decisions probably like this, not at, not at the scale in the, uh, in the company, but I think once you're very determined and you're, you know, and kind of you've persuaded like the higher levels in the company and they're behind it and we're all aligned. I feel like it's much easier to persuade the next level down, uh, eventually getting to, you know, to an all hands where you share it with the rest of the company. Have, have you, since making that decision, was there any times where you felt like the SMB market was trying to pull you back? You mentioned that half of your customers were from that market. I mean, I, I get that you're not focusing on them, that that's not a part of the core sales, marketing, or R&D, but was there, were there times where you felt like you were still having to serve to customer bases, uh, even though you had made this strategic decision? 
So we still have a lot of SMBs on the platform and we still have, you know, I would call them probably more technical oriented or tech savvy SMBs that come to our platform and prefer our platform versus other platforms in the market. And we do serve them, but I think what really changes is how we serve them. And we don't, it's a very self-service type of approach. We don't invest in sales and marketing to target them. But, you know, if they come and want to use our platform, you know, we'll take their money. And I think that's an interesting idea when it comes to uh, choosing your market and also in in niching as a as a business is that, um, and I like how you're clear on that, we don't invest in sales and marketing, but if they show up and it's a fit, you do serve them. And I think a lot of people think that by niching, you have to turn people away just because they don't fit your ideal customer. You know, as long as as long as you're not changing your processes or your uh, how you serve the clients, I think it's okay to serve people that are outside of your market if it makes sense for you. Uh, sounds like for you guys at Duda, that is that that does work. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's totally fine. It's just really you know. Um, reducing that level, as you know, as as we talked about, reducing the level of spend on on you know making sure that sales and marketing is is not focused on on the segment. And if your cost to service them, like in our case, is is really low, then you can do it. Maybe in other cases, uh, it would make less sense. But uh, but for us, you know, as as long as uh, sales, you know, the marginal cost to have more of these customers is actually beneficial to the company. Why not? So did you make an announcement to all these clients uh, or did you just kind of do it more in the background? Like, hey, we're just going to not really focus as much on that. I mean, was there a clear communication to your SMB market of this is not going to be a focus of ours moving forward? Or was it more, I'm curious how you actually rolled that decision out because I know a lot of uh, of our audience has clients and they might choose a, a market that they want to focus on and they might have clients that they're, not really going to be building their business around in the future. Um, did you actually create any communications or was it more about just focusing on kind of the future? Yeah, I think it more uh, the latter, more focusing on the future. Uh, we we didn't send any emails out saying, you know, <laughs> you're not our customer anymore. You're not welcome. <laughs> it's really, it's, I think that over time they saw that the tone and the messaging on the website become more and more, pro and agency focus, right? All the communication and we, we didn't hide it, right? They still received, you know, the, the communication that they received probably started being more kind of agency focused. So I guess they understood. And if they still decided to stay, that's fine. And if they decided to leave, that's fine too. Were there any other challenges in this transition that you think our listeners would, would get value from? You know, I think it's, uh, it's always a, a challenge. Um, you know, you need to think about, uh, people's uh, in the company, people's objectives and their KPIs, and and make sure this is all aligned to the new strategy. Uh, I know a lot of these uh, a, a lot of these changes when people, you know, when especially when you have sales teams and they're incentivized around you know achieving certain goals, and you're suddenly sh- uh, shifting strategy or changing user base, that could significantly impact them. So you kind of need to make sure that this change is really reflected across the organization and everybody's aligned. And, um, you know, some, sometimes it's not going to be easy, right? When, especially when there's a lot, a lot of revenue coming from a, from a source that you think should not be the future focus. It's, it's sometimes not that easy to, 
to cause kind of to make kind of the ship turn around and and face uh, a different direction. Did any of your team get uh, to use that analogy? Did, did, did any of your team end up falling overboard uh, in this process? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not really. I, I'm trying to think. I think we in in this in this specific transition. I think people were really uh, mostly were 100 uh, percent behind it. You know, there were there were other things. You know, there were other areas. You know, I, I do have other examples uh, of things that we did where we decided. You know, bets uh, of new areas that we try to get into. Uh, for example, I could uh, mention uh, getting into advertising space so back in back in the day we were trying to do some mobile advertising and we actually grew a team around the advertising space for a while and after you know after a year or two years we understood you know you know the margins were not there it was totally different business than our core business right we were in the software business where selling advertising even though customers were asking for it so we initially created you know went after this segment or this service because customers were asking for it it just it just didn't work and we decided you know kind of cut our losses there and stop doing that and and that did affect you know people who you know who we had to basically terminate at that point as we decided to close down that organization so i think there's and there's more you know i could give more examples like that of Things that we did, we tried for a while. You know, we we had the best intentions, but over time, you you, you know, once you see, you learn the area better, you're more knowledgeable. You see the results. You understand that you know this is probably not something that you need to pursue, and you need to be able to cut your losses and move on. That's also part of focus. Yeah, that's 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 fascinating. I mean, I I think that's that's hard, right? Is that sometimes when you make that those decisions to focus, uh, to have to deal with, you know, sometimes you're able to realign the culture. And, um, and and as you mentioned earlier, I mean, it sounds like being a very engineer focused team that probably this shift to a more sophisticated user, a more sophisticated customer base, that, that shift in particular might've made more of your people happier because they weren't having to hold, you know, two of these competing ideas of like simple and sophistication, uh, kind of in their mind, but obviously something more tactical, like, are we going to go into advertising, um, might be, might be a different situation. Right. Uh, another example that I could give is, uh, early on, we also try to enter, you know, markets, uh, different markets. Uh, of course, today we're a very global solution. You know, about 50% of our revenue is, uh, outside of the U S uh, one of the countries. So we've, we've been, we've been successful to get into many different countries. One country where we were not successful is actually, you know, Japan. And, you know, we, we tried that, uh, we had, you know, initially some initial success, uh, signing some, you know, pretty big deals there, but those, uh, didn't, you know, evolve to what we expected. And to, you know, two years out, our revenue from Japan was not interesting and was not growing. And, you know, that's also something where we decided to, you know, to stop doing and, and basically fall back to servicing Japan from, you know, our, from the U S or our core markets, not, not to have a specific local team there. So again, not a, not an easy decision where, you know, you, you end up having to let a team go and give up a market. But it, it was that it was between looking at it and saying, okay, this is not successful. And, and am I now going to throw 
my kind of my best executives and my time to make that market work for us? Or is my time better served and my management's time is better served in focusing on other areas? And that's kind of, you know, we decided to do the latter. And uh, so along the way, I, I kind of look at, you know, at a company and especially when you're thinking about growing, you're kind of managing a portfolio of bets, right? Because growth is going to come, you know, def, you know, you definitely want growth to come from your core business, but you many times have to expand into new areas to see uh, additional growth. And some of these things will work and pan out and some of these won't. And I think the, early, the earlier that you're able to understand what is working and what is not, you have to be able to cut your losses and, and move on and focus on the things that are going to work and, and other things that you haven't tried yet. What do you think it is about your background or, or what you're doing maybe before Duda or while you've been in Duda that has helped you develop that very, I mean, I'd say sophisticated ownership thinking that I, I don't think enough people view like they're almost too emotionally vested in everything that their business is doing. And it sounds like you have a very uh, rational, or at least it, seeming from the outside, a rational view of, of, of what you're doing as a business owner and, and being able to make those decisions by evaluating them what what sounds like very objectively. So like what, what, how did you develop that? Yeah. So, you know, I think first, you know, probably I think at the basis, I'm, you know, very logical, uh, you know, you know, like to, like to make my decisions based on, uh, you know, facts, you know, computer science background probably adds to that even more. Uh, so very data driven. Uh, and even with all that, you know, these decisions are never easy. And probably by the time you actually make the decision to cut, you know, to cut something loose, it's it's probably something that you should have done like half a year before that. <laughs> so I don't I don't want to like play it that it's it's always easy and you make these things uh, decisions in a whim. You know, these these uh, changes are are there's a lot of thought that is being put in there. There's a lot of attempts probably before. You, you decide not to do something to still try to make it work in different ways. But, uh, I think kind of, but you, you have to be, you know, the faster that you're able to, to get to that point where you determine and you know what the end result should be, uh, then move, move ahead and execute against it. Hey, what's up agency owners. As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast. If you're looking for a new CMS that can launch sites in half the time as a typical WordPress build, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more information at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. One of the things I wanted to chat with you about on on this interview was was really about like the future of websites and um, and the web. You you have I think a unique vantage point in this market to see. Uh, I mean, seven thousand web pros are using your platform, obviously, to create a lot of different websites. You know, I think there's there's always like these articles that come out, and I always kind of chuckle at them. I'm like, oh, the web is dead, or whatever. You know, like this kind of stuff, right? That like people aren't using the web anymore. That it's going to go away because apps are here. And I think every time something like that has an innovation, like apps, has happened or social media, like there's always like this. Well, people are on Facebook now; they're on our websites. You know, I remember somebody at this. Uh, 
this meetup, this was, gosh, probably 10 years ago, said, you know, in, in, they, they told me, they said, in 10 years, businesses are just going to have Facebook pages. They're not going to have websites, right? And of course, all the businesses that created Facebook pages uh, built up huge audiences, and then all of a sudden, Facebook took their traffic from them, maybe are regretting part of that decision, right? That, that it's, a, it's a very pay-to-play thing, and they don't own, they don't own Facebook, right? But from your, your vantage point, and you guys are obviously investing heavily as a web platform. Uh, I mean, what do you, what do you think is the future of, of the web? I mean, what are the bets that you guys are making that you think are going to keep Duda successful over the next decade? I think you're, you're right on a, a lot of the things you mentioned, uh, are exactly the things that, you know, we, we think about and I've, you know, I've heard the, you know, the web is dead many times. People have tried to kill it. Uh, well, it's, you know, 25 years since it's been uh, invented and it's still here and there's no signs of it going away. And I think you rightly, you rightly said, uh, you know, your website is, is that one place where you have full control and ownership of your brand and a direct communication channel with your customers. Why would you ever give up that to introduce an intermediary like a Facebook or anybody else that would control when you communicate, how you communicate, and how much does it cost you to communicate with your customers, right? This is your website is the source of where you get your free organic traffic. And, and that's something that any, any business should always continue to invest alongside a lot of these other channels, uh, presence channels that do pop up over time. If it's apps, if it's uh, things like Facebook or, you know, or different, you know, Instagram or Google My Business or many, many other places where uh, a small business should have presence and where clients might, might be able to find them. Uh, to answer the second part, uh, we're, you know, the things that we're investing. So there's, there's a lot of different areas that we're investing in. I think primarily is... Yeah, thinking of the agency, thinking of what are their pain points, how can we help them better serve their customers? We, how can we help them be more productive and more efficient in their work that they're doing so that they can command uh, higher margins? So there's a lot of things that uh, around productivity and efficiency. One of the, one of the cool things that we launched uh, this year is uh, called Site Comments which allows the agency and the small business to interact and get feedback and revision requests on top of the website. So for example, the, the small business owner can ask, please move this text from the left to the right, change the color of the font, and that creates tasks for the agency. So just helping them better communicate and you know, remove a lot of that ambiguity and basically wasted time when requests come in via text messages or emails or phone calls and are not really understood, bring all that conversation uh, in context on, on the website as it's being built. So th this is just one example of, of kind of tools to make the life of a web designer, a web developer building sites easier and easier to communicate with their uh, end client. You know, definitely thinking a lot about how to help agencies build more sophisticated sites you know, there, we've recently launched uh, what we call dynamic pages that allow you to decide on a layout or a template of, of, of a page and then basically build through an API, you know, hundreds or thousands of these pages pushing, you know, data from an external database or an Airtable or uh, a Google Sheet 
So you can manage data about your clients or about assets that you have. So for example, if you're a real estate, you know, if you're serving the real estate, uh, a real estate uh, agent, uh, if you're an agency serving the real estate industry, right? Every profile page of, of a house looks more or less the same thing. So you can dynamically create a hun- you know, hundreds or thousands of these pages pushing data from a database or uh, some kind of an external source. So things like that, uh, we're also, you know, I think being in the web design space, it's a very trendy business. There's all the time new things that are happening, parallax designs, animations, video backgrounds. You constantly need to invest in in the core product, right? Why do people come to us? They want to build beautiful websites quickly for their clients. And, you know, so we constantly need to invest and make sure that they, they can achieve that. And then there's just kind of a lot of other, you know, cool things that we're looking at, you know, voice, uh, you know, voice enable, uh, enabled websites, or, you know, how can we use data? We have so much interesting data that is, uh, that we gather just based on how users interact with websites. How can we leverage that data? To give, uh, you know, to give, uh, to share with our users, so that they can build better and more successful and more better converting websites. And lastly, uh, we're also thinking about extending our platform. We know we can't build everything ourselves. Uh, there's, you know, there's so many things that users want, so many features that they're requesting. And one of the new things that we're going to introduce, and we're already kind of in early beta testing is a a new app store where other vendors, third-party vendors are going to be able to offer their solutions integrated into the Duda platform. We're going with an approach of a very highly curated app store. You know, we don't want hundreds or thousands of apps. We actually want very few apps. We want the best of breed apps in every vertical. So we're doing a lot of work to select the best vendors in every space, in the CRM space, in the SEO space, uh, in the listing space. And we want one, of, one or two of them that will invest a lot in integrating into our platform and will invest a lot in, in helping make sure that their solution is, uh, is highly integrated and where kind of one plus one equals three for our clients. Very cool. Well, I love to hear. I, I love to hear about the future of Duda. Sounds like you guys are doing the right things there, uh, or at least maybe based on this interview, uh, you're making some bets, which we will see how that uh, how all of those play out. Maybe maybe in a year, some of those things will have uh, been great, and some of those things maybe will be uh, gone by the wayside. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. But uh, this has been super fascinating, Ita. I think that we've covered a lot of topics around uh, both your platform, but also on. Uh, focus and niching and decision making as a as a founder as an entrepreneur how to make those decisions effectively uh, this has been super fascinating are you ready for our lightning round let's do it all right what is the best advice you've ever received uh, best advice um, higher wealth you know pe- people that you hire that's the the best uh, investment that you can do in your company great people will build your company and uh, will make you successful which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I think I'm uh, kind of pretty even kill and, you know, I don't get uh, stressed very easily. And in this line of job where, you know, things uh, happen every day and you're amassed with a lot of, uh, 
a lot of you know challenges and changing uh, you know changing requirements and you know just dealing with a lot of stuff. Uh, it, it helps kind of being uh, pretty calm. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? Wow, there's a, a lot. Uh, one that I use, so one a fun one. Not actually, uh, I use an app called Just Watch, and that helps me. It it shows you if you're if you need to select if you want to see a movie, it tells you which streaming service uh, actually has that movie available. So today, with you know having movies on Amazon Prime, Netflix, and a ton of other services, it kind of uh, helps you hone down. So that's just a fun one that I, uh, that I use. What book would you recommend and why? For me personally, one of the books uh, or the authors that really uh, influenced and shaped a lot of, uh, you know, the years and this is books that I, I, I've read, uh, you know, in, in, you know, a little bit after I remember in my teens were, I guess, a- Ayn Rand as an author and the Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. Yeah, just very, very influential on on my uh, kind of on the on those years, and I think until today, about kind of these heroes going after their dream, pursuing their dream, even though many you know all the challenges on the way, and kind of fighting for you know for what they believe is is the right thing to do. Doesn't matter what the costs are. Awesome. Well, we will link out to Ann Rand's books as well as Just Watch. Uh, along with lots of other good takeaways and notes from today's episode over at our show notes at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So check that out if you're on the road or on a run, uh, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Uh, Itai, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have they can check out? I uh, Yeah, check out our website at duda.co. And um, aside from that, I'm sure like if you Google my name, you'll find uh, all kinds of other things that uh, I've done along the years. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely be linking out to Duda's website on today's episode. So if you guys don't have a pencil or pen to write that down, just check out our website at yougurus.com. Click on podcast, find Itai's episode right there at the top. If you're listening to this episode, the week it comes out, we'll link out to Duda. We'll also uh, try to dig out some of Itai's social profiles if you want to follow more info on him, as well uh, as other great show notes at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Itai, thanks for stopping by the program today. Thank you, Brent. It was uh, fun talking to you and uh, hope I've been helpful for uh, all uh, your listeners out there. Absolutely. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook, the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Oh, 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 oh